I want to talk to you today. I want to speak to you about understanding the times. And you know, we have been kind of in lockdown, and our world has kind of become smaller. We have been confined to the four walls of our homes and so on. And, uh, and I really felt in my heart how it is time that we actually look at the bigger picture of God. That we don't just leave for ourselves and our needs and looking at our, uh, our own situations, but we have a global perspective that we gain today, perhaps a vision of how God sees from, his, from where He stands. So I want to talk to you today, and I want you to come to, with me to Luke chapter 19 and verse 28. Luke chapter 19, verse 28, and we're going to be jumping over a few scriptures, just probably three things I want to emphasize, but uh, John 19, sorry, Luke 19, 28, I want you to get ready. Father God, as we open the word, thank you for opening understanding, thank you for opening our eyes, thank you for opening hearts right now, and I pray that you touch in a powerful way everyone that's watching today, everyone that's going to watch later, touch every life in Jesus' name. May revelation flow into every heart. Holy Spirit, thank you for being with us today and for revealing, unveiling the Word of God. Verse 30, verse 28, then he said this. When he said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. Verse 30, going to the village opposite you, where as you enter, you will find a cold tide on which no one has ever set. Loose it and bring it here. And if anyone asks you, why are you loosing it? You shall say, because the Lord has need of it. Because the Lord has need of it. So those who were sent went their way and found it just as it had said to them. But as they were loosing the colt, the owners of it said to them, why are you loosing the colt? And they said, the Lord has need of it. The Lord has need of it. Verse 41. Now as he drew near, he saw the city, the city of Jerusalem, and he wept over it, saying, if you had known even you, even you, especially in this your day, if you had known this day, if you had known this time, the things that are made for your peace, but now they're hidden from your eyes. <clears throat> For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close you on every side, and level you and your children within you to the ground, and they will not leave in you one stone upon another, because you didn't know the time of your visitation. Because you didn't know the time of your visitation. Now Jesus is about to visit Jerusalem one last time. This is his last visitation. And, um, and a great visitation is about to happen. But the Bible says that they did not know the time of their visitation. You know, may, may God never find us, number one, unaware of time. They did not understand the time of their visitation. Jesus said, if you knew this day, if you knew what was going on this day. So number one, they were unaware of time. And may God never find us unaware of time. And secondly, unaware of how desperately we need a fresh visitation of Jesus in our lives, in our world. Our world needs Jesus. Our world needs Jesus to come in and, and, and move and touch, just like he did in the days of the Bible. And thirdly, 
the needs of Jesus. The Lord has need of it. So let's talk about understanding the times. Number one, the people in Jerusalem, they missed out on God's greatest visitation to our planet. They missed the time when God didn't just send another prophet, another great preacher, another great synagogue uh, preacher, but God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, the Messiah they had been waiting for. They, he came in the flesh. He lived among people. He visited our planet, and, and they, they missed it. They missed a time like no other, a time unique, a special time when the very Messiah they had been waiting for visited them. How important it is to understand our time. They failed to understand their time, but how important it is to understand now, you and I, to understand our time. You know, just like we read in Chronicles about the sons of Issachar who had understanding of the times and of what Israel ought to do. And there's a scripture in Romans 13, 11 that says this. It says, and, and do this, and, and do this knowing the time that, that now, now it is high time to awake out of sleep for our salvation is nearer to us than when we first believed. How important it is to understand time, how important it is to understand now, to understand what God is doing now. What day is it in God's calendar now? What day is today? And, and, and Paul wrote to Timothy about these days, and he said that in the last days, the days at the end of time, the days that we're living in right now, there, will be, there would be perilous times. I don't think we can dispute that, that we are living in difficult times. In fact, Romans 8.22 says that creation groans. Creation groans with birth pains. You know, I really believe we're living in unprecedented times. I really believe that everything that Jesus said that would happen has happened, is happening right before our eyes. Just the other day I was looking at a, an article that talked about, it's a secular article, a secular magazine, and they were talking about global disintegration. And they spoke about 10 signs of global disintegration. And I thought, well, I've read all of that before <laughs> in what Jesus talked about. It just kind of lined up perfectly with everything that Jesus said would happen in the last days or before his coming. The wars and rumors of wars. You know, I don't know about you, but I remember growing up and hearing about the Cold War and being about uh, reading and hearing about the uh, an arms race. Well, that's happening right now. We're hearing of new, more deadly um, um, nuclear weapons. We're hearing of hypersonic missiles that can go out into space and reach any part of the world and in, in, very, in a very short time. We're hearing of an escalation of, of armament in in different superpowers. Even right here, our own country, we are escalating our submarine thing. We're, we're not just content with $90 billion worth of submarines submarines in, in France. Now we want some that are probably a bit more lethal and more nuclear and more powerful. I tell you what, we're living in days of wars and rumors of wars. We're living, we're living um, right now. Uh, we hear of countries coming apart. We hear of divided countries that are divided by sectarian warfare and religious motivated wars. We hear of, of divisions in societies, even right here in our own country. We see a complete disintegration of values and the kinds of, the kinds of values that have established our civilization. 
We're seeing moral decay accelerating rapidly. And you know what? Nobody's getting better out of it. Nobody's getting happier and fulfilled out of it. Quite the opposite. More people are unhappy. They're more depressed people. There's more addicted people to chemical substances. There's, there's increased unhappiness in the world today. You know, at the same time, our, our planet, the planet that we are living in, we're told that it's getting sicker, it's getting warmer, it's getting more polluted. We're finding it increasingly hard to accommodate for the close to 8 billion people that now populate our planet we are living in difficult times. There are superbugs now resistant to every bit of known medication. This pest, there's this thing that is going around the world right now. So, you know, everything Jesus said, you know, it's, it's happening right before our eyes. It's not something in the future. It's like you read what Jesus said, and it's, and it's, it's happening right now. It's like reading the news. And uh, as I said, God's creation groans and labors with birth pains. This is a time that we are living in. You know, political leaders have disappointed us. Political systems and political ideologies, they have let us down. They've failed us. And I want you to know something. Clearly, we cannot fix ourselves. <laughs> we cannot fix ourselves. I believe these are the days that the prophets of old and saints of old and Jesus prophesied when he said that we are living at the end of time. And I believe that it is time that we, turn to, that we to turn to Jesus and invite him to an end time visitation of his power. I believe that people need the Lord. Our world needs Jesus. Our world needs a visitation of the power of Jesus like never before. It's time for a fresh visitation of Jesus, of his power in this world. So uh, number one, understanding the time. Secondly, understanding how desperately we need Jesus to visit our world once again before he takes us out of here. You know, as we read in our text today, Jesus was coming to Jerusalem for the last time. And uh, it was like his, it was his last visitation. You know, a, a fresh visitation of the power of God now could probably be the last visitation because, you know what the Lord spoke to me? He said, it is late in the calendar of God. It is late in the calendar of God. I want you to take hold of that. The Lord spoke that very clearly to my heart. The Holy Spirit, I believe he spoke that. He said, it is late in the calendar of God. One visitation of Jesus, one outpouring of the Holy Spirit right now probably would be a last visitation of Jesus before his coming. And, 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 you know, this is, this is now the last time in this passage that we read that Jesus is visiting Jerusalem. And, um, and, and, and you know, uh, uh, this was a very different visitation of Jesus. Uh, the other times Jesus taught, the other times Jesus healed a few people, but this time Jesus was going to the cross. This time the extent, the impact of what was going about or what was going to happen through that last visitation of Jesus was going to be far more reaching than just healing a few people or giving a speech in the, uh, in the, the temple. 
And, and, and so God had reserved the best for last. Through the cross, Jesus was going to redeem every man from every tribe. I mean, God is going to heal our bodies. God is going to extend grace and mercy to mankind. What Jesus was about to do through that last visitation had no parallel in the previous visitations that he had in Jerusalem. And I really believe that God is a God who saves the best for last. And I'm really believing that a last visitation of Jesus would be something like we've never ever seen before. Oh, we would see the dead raised, the crippled walk. Come on. We would see nations come to Jesus. You know, let's understand the times. Let's crave, let's desire for one last visitation of Jesus Christ upon the earth. Hallelujah. The world needs Jesus. We cannot fix ourselves. Politicians, if you look to politicians to fix the, the world, they can't. They failed us and they keep failing us and we keep voting for them. But I tell one thing, Jesus will never leave us, never forsake us, and he will never fail us. Praise God, praise God, praise God. You know, the Bible says that we are to pray for a latter rain. And indeed, we are promised that in the last days there would be a latter rain. Let's pray for the latter rain of the Holy Spirit. A last outpouring of his power, of his grace, of his anointing in the name of Jesus. But you see... Um, we have been promised let rain. Let us cry out for that. Let us desire that. Let's position ourselves for that. And let us prepare for that. Because that's really my third point. Visitation requires preparation. Visitation requires preparation. Now Jesus, as he's about to enter Jerusalem, he asked for a call to be brought to him. You know, some things had to be in place prior to his entrance. There were some things that had prophetic significance, and, and Jesus had to fulfill the scripture and prophecy, and so it, it, there were some things that had to be positioned and prepared in place before his triumphal entra entrance into Jerusalem. And, uh, and Jesus said these words, the Lord has need of it. And we need to ask right now, what does Jesus need of us right now? What are the needs of Jesus? What's the requirements? What do we, what does need, what does Jesus need right now so that his entrance, so that his last end time mighty visitation of the Spirit will take place? The Lord has need of it. The same way Jesus needed to have certain things in place before his final visitation in Jerusalem, I believe in, we need to have certain things in place for his visitation today. What needs to happen so that the power of God may invade our lost, dying, hurting world? Someone may say, well, Jesus has needs. I mean, isn't he sovereign? A sovereign God has needs. Well, the Bible says Jesus has need of it. There was another time Jesus went through Samaria, and the Bible says because he needed to go through Samaria. Jesus has needs. Yes, he's a sovereign God, but he has chosen to use things on earth. He used a cult. He used certain things that were already here. God is indeed sovereign, but right from the days of Adam, he has chosen to work with man. God could have named all the beasts of the field, but God said, hey, come on, Adam, that's your prerogative. You go and name them whatever you want to name. And God has worked with Adam. God has worked with, with Enoch. God has worked with Abraham and Isaac and, and Jacob. And God has worked with Joshua. And, and God, God has worked 
worked with, God has worked with people right through the, the first to the last pages of this book, and that's his plan. It's God with us. It's Emmanuel. It's sword of the Lord and sword of Gideon. It's like, yeah, Gideon will take the sword, and God will take the sword, and we will work in partnership with God, and we will get the job done. That's how God has chosen to work with us. So God has needs. Yes, let me tell you something. God needs you. God needs your cult. God needs your provision. God needs your, your, your uh, attention. God needs your time. God needs your talents. God needs, yes, Jesus needs. Matthew 2, 24, 14 says, And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached to all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. But how do you think that's going to get done? Is it, the, is it the angel's job? No, it's your job. It's my job. It's the job of wonderful missionaries like we've heard today and others that have forsaken everything. They, would, they went out into the mission fields of the world so that Jesus may come, so that we may hasten his return. You know, in the 1800s, there was a man, very famous missionary, William Carey, William Carey, he, he, came to, um, he came to his board, and uh, the Baptist board, and he said, you know, how about we reach the nations of the world? And the chairman of the board said this to him. He said, young man, sit down. You are an enthusiast. When God pleases to com- convert the heathen, he'll do it without consulting you or consulting me. You know, I don't know what this man, Elder, what was his name? Elder uh, um, uh, Ryland, I don't know what he was on. I don't know what Bible he was reading. But the Bible that I read says, go into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. Come on. Somebody has to go. Somebody has to preach. Come on. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, God works with man. And every time Jesus had a need, someone provided for their need. Someone provided the colt. Someone provided a boat so that Jesus could preach from the shore. Zacchaeus provided bread and breakfast. Jesus said to him, I need to stay at your place. Someone provided a room for for the Passover, a large furnished room. I mean, not just like a little shack, but the best room because Jesus deserves the best. Come on. Hallelujah. You know, there's even this little-known man and hardly ever spoken about, the, the man with a pitcher in his hand. I love to read the bed. You know, he said, go, and you will find a man with a pitcher in his hand and follow him. I mean, he was a man of lower class. He probably didn't have think he had much going for him, but hey, he ended up in the Bible. Why? Because God needed the man with a pitcher in his hand. Hallelujah. You know, in Luke chapter 8, verses 2 and 3, woman provided for their substance. And in our opening story, you know, Jesus didn't call a chariot from heaven so that he would come into Jerusalem. He said, there's some, something on earth that I can use that's a cult. You know, Jesus used what were the resources of earth, what was someone else's property. He used someone for his eternal purposes and for his entrance, his visitation in Jerusalem. Yes, Jesus is sovereign, but he chose to use our hands too. Some people say, well, it's all in God's hands. No, my friend, read your Bible. It's in your hands too. It's, it's, it's the sword of the Lord, but it's the sword of Gideon. 
it takes two of us to hold the sword. It's, it's, it's the man with the pitcher in his hand. God used the hand of that man, the man with the pitcher in his hand. That was going to provide uh, water, of course, but that was going to provide a prophetic symbol, something that had to be in place for the coming of Jesus. God said in Exodus to um, someone like Moses, what is that in your hand? And he said, well, it's just a rod. You know, it's an old rod. Well, you know what? God used the rod to bring deliverance and signs and wonders and miracles. What is that in your hand? God uses hands. God uses people. God wants to use your hands and my hands. Acts 19, verse 11. Now God worked unusual miracles through the hands of Paul. So that even, you know, hallelujah. I just get carried away with this. Come on, everybody here. Hey, hallelujah. Praise God. Say amen, somebody else there. Don't just sit there. Let me just see if you're saying amen. Come on, everybody say amen. Praise God. Now God worked unusual miracles through the hands of Paul so that if even handkerchiefs and aprons were taken from his body to the sick and diseases left them. Evil spirits out of them. How did that happen? God worked. Read the rest of the scripture. God worked through the hands of Paul, through the rod of Moses, through the man with a picture in his hand. God works, but God's going to need someone's hands. God's going to need someone's picture. God's going to need someone's rod. God's going to need whatever you have. You may say, well, I don't have much except, you know. Well, God accepts your accepts and makes them exceptional. There was a woman, the prophet came to her and said, you know, give me food. Or that she had an impossible situation. She said, well, I've got nothing except a little, little bit of oil. And you know what? That little bit of oil became a breakthrough, a miracle, an abundance. God accepts your accepts and make them exceptional. Hallelujah. You know, Jesus said, go and feed the multitude. They said, how? We've got nothing except a little boy's lunch. Well, that will do. God can work with an accept. God can work with someone who makes his hands available. Hallelujah. Come on, I'll preach myself up and I haven't even gone to the half of the message today. Amen. But I want you to know something. It's time we look beyond just ourselves and say, Lord, move. But a requirement for the move of God. God moves with people that move. God moves with the church that moves. God doesn't move with people who are lethargic and complacent and stuck. But God moves with people who are willing and obedient and said, God, I'll go where you send me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll make my hands available. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. You know, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 25 verse 34, then the king will say to those at his right hand, come blessed of the father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And the disciples, well, they said, the righteous will answer and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry? When did we see you with needs? Come on, how can a sovereign God have needs? And Jesus said, every time you've done it for one of the little, these ones, you've done it for me. My needs are their needs. Our world needs Jesus. Our world is sick. Our world is dying. Our world is desperate. Our world has come to the end of their rope. And their needs are the needs of Jesus. And every time we meet the needs of this world, we meet the needs of Jesus. Romans 10, 13, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But then how, they, how then shall they call on him in whom they have believed? And how shall they believe on whom they have not heard? 
And how shall they hear without a preacher? <laughs> That's how I make myself heard. I'm a preacher. <laughs> and how shall they preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace. There are five questions. There are five questions. How and how and how. Five questions. But you know what? The answer to these questions is the church. Because every time we engage, missionaries are sent. Preachers can preach. People will be able to hear. They will believe. They'll call on the name of the Lord. They'll be saved. People, Shaji in, in India will be able to open churches. You know, come on. Those five questions are, and they only have one answer. And we can say, well, it's all in God's hands. Lord, if you want to do it, you do it. No. God moves with people that move. God does it with people that do it. And I believe I'm speaking today to people like that. Amen. I believe I'm speaking to people who are on fire for Jesus. I believe that I'm speaking to people that have the heart of God. You know, there are still 300, 3,250 unreached people groups in the world. 3,250 people that have never heard the name of Jesus. Do you know that 86%, 86% of Buddhists, Hindus, Muslims in the world have never even come across a Christian where they live. The Lord has need of it. The Lord has need of it. You know, what are we going to do about it? You know, the cult fulfilled the prophetic scenario. Simon's boat became a floating Bible school. Zacchaeus' house was the first connect group. The man had provided the upper room. When I think of the upper room, I think of someone who entertained the presence of God. What are we going to do about it? You know, let me tell you this. We are coming to the end of the age. The Lord has need of you and of me. Our times, our talents, our gifts, our resources. Even those things that we say, well, I've got nothing except, or this little thing, you know, I want you to know God's going to need it all. God wants to make something exceptional out of your life. So in recap, maybe, number one, maybe, may we be aware of the uniqueness of the times that we are living in right now. May we be aware. This is a message of awareness. I want to ask all of you that are part of this church, I want to ask you to send this message, to send the link of this message to as many people as possible. The, our WhatsApp's already flooded with all kinds of rubbish and things that are untrue. Please send them the truth of the Word of God. Please send them, I'm sounding forth from this place, a cry of awareness to the church of the Lord Jesus. Amen. And if you're watching today and you don't know Jesus yet, I'm a warning you. I'm, I'm a, I want you to be aware of the weakness, of the uniqueness of the times we are living right now. Secondly, may we desire, may we pray, may we position ourselves for a fresh visitation of Jesus. I don't care about anything else. I just want Jesus. I want Jesus to come and invade our nation and invade our community and invade Roville with His power. I want Jesus, the genuine, the authentic Jesus, to come in and do what He does. Hallelujah. And the third thing is, may we ask ourselves, what does Jesus need right now? Our question to Jesus right now is, Jesus, not why this happened, or, but Jesus, what do you need to do? 
What, what do you need? Because the, the Lord has need of it. The Lord has need of certain things. And you know what? The answer is not somebody else. The answer is not the government. The answer is not some other thing. The answer is the church. The church is the hope of the world. Amen. Hey, I'm really intense today <laughs> because this is no laughing matter. I'm really intense today because there's certain things you need to be intense about. There's certain things you need to be awakened to. There's certain things you can't be blasé about. There's the eternity of mankind. There's this hanging in the balance. And this is serious stuff. Amen. What does the Lord need? Hey, today our emphasis has been on missions. We need to send more missionaries out. We need to, but, but let me tell you this. We have a sign. One of the first things I did when I came to this church, I put a sign right at the end of the church as you leave the church that says, your mission starts in 50 meters. You know, our mission filled tomorrow when you go to work. On, on Wednesday, whenever you go to work, the mission field is out there awaiting for us. The Lord loves them just as much as He loves you and me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.